0: The garden help you need Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990 Powered by Palladio Home and Garden With your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry,
1: and Jim Crowder
2: Good morning, good morning gardeners And welcome to Mid-South Gardening You're here with Veda from Palladio And Kenneth with Dan West Jim, Jim was taking a breath yeah, And so I paused <laughs> And Jim our, And I'm here And he's here Good morning, y'all. We'd love for you to give us a call. Let us know everything that's going on in your garden. Or if you have questions, give us a call 260 5926.
3: What's that? 260 5926. Or go to Facebook Live, and there's Ms. There Vader I right am. there on the screen, guys.
2: And if you miss, if you fall asleep during this, you know, sometimes there are early morning people and your coffee hadn't kicked in yet. And if you miss something, just listen to our podcast.
3: I was at work yesterday. And there's this thing that came, this wet fluid, like came from the clouds. Yeah, you oh, got okay. rain. Was it rain? Rain. That's the name
1: yeah.
2: of that. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> you had me going for a minute. And, and I, I was like, too. "They'd
3: please be raining at my house." You know, yeah. I haven't had rain for I don't know what three years now, and. I got home last night, and the yard was wet. The driveway was wet. So I'm like, I don't know how much it rained, but I know it rained a l- at least a little bit at my house. Yeah,
2: and that's great, because in Midtown, it seemed like it rained all day. And then out when I got out to almost Lakeland area. Or Cordova right, area, you know.
0: Right. Or Bartlett.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I kept getting flash flood warnings for Bartlett just because that's where the that <laughs> is, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, some of you are waking up to enjoying this wonderful rain that you had but i think it rained last night it too, did so we got a little bit last night yeah. Yeah.
0: thank goodness so
2: probably not enough for a lot of folks but not enough to say everything's watered really good helped
0: my new sod i laid day mm-hmm. before yesterday though
2: that's great that got water because that was two yeah. inches it needed to get down there two mm-hmm. inches or so
3: and so. now I, I saw a picture and i got to say this because i mean we're talking about the rain you know the moisture thank goodness finally mm-hmm. Uh, a young lady came into the garden center and some people just don't know okay and it's nothing against them they just don't know for whatever reason
2: that's why we're here right yeah and and
3: and they had planted uh five arbovitis on the uh, back fence and they look great Uh, but there were two that were really starting to show some brown Mm -hmm. and you know they've only been planted in the ground for about three months well usually that's not insect related or disease related at all it's usually root related Mm -hmm. somehow and that's usually water-related. Right, right. And uh, so I got to talking to her, you know, and, I, you know, we figured out that it wasn't a burn from a spray. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a burn from, like, a chemical uh, fertilizer or anything like that. And I was like, okay, what about the water? And she's like, well, you know, when, they, when we first put them in, we actually had a good bit of rain. I said, yes, we yeah. did. I said, what about in the last month? She said, well, I haven't been watering. There
2: you go. And I was
3: like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, the last three or four weeks have been extremely dry. And uh, if you haven't been watering at all, we've got a problem. And this is the problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she just didn't really, you know, she didn't know. So most people, if you plant something this spring, you know, this first growing season, this first year is the most critical yeah, and you know, and yeah, you know. At first, I thought, well, she's watering this thing too much, you know, because the end result is the same. No, y'all, not a drop of water.
0: Yeah, yeah with arborvitaes, they are, they they need uh, increased water in July, August, and September. They're uh, they're not. Most people think of conifers as drought-resistant plants, but arborvitaes aren't. Mm-hmm. They need moisture. Um, Well, Jim, they
3: surely need moisture, Beta, if they just been put in the ground. yes.
0: We we had somebody post a picture of a Japanese maple they had planted this spring, and it was beginning to get the traditional little holes in the leaves Mm. and fried it. It, it. And she was worried that it might be dying. Uh, you know, that's going to happen on Japanese maples, but you know, if you've got an established Japanese maple that's been in the ground two or more years, it's going to need a deep, mm-hmm. thorough watering at least once every five to seven days. Mm-hmm. If it's been in the ground less than that, then you're looking at probably every three to four days, right. a thorough watering, yeah. and that's getting it watered all the way to the, the base. But with Japanese maples, you're going to get that sun scald, as we call it, uh, little holes in the leaves, and, and the more frilly they are, they fry. Because well,
3: especially the ones that are in full sun, and we yeah. see a lot of that.
0: Japanese maples are really evolved in areas that are much cooler than Memphis. When the soil temperature rises to 70, they go into a self-defense mode and shut, wa- shut down so that they preserve water um, just to preserve their life. But we continue to get that hot sun, mm-hmm. we continue to get that wind, and so it desiccates, just dries that foliage out, mm-hmm. and that's what you see that burn. Going to come out next spring, look absolutely spectacular, mm-hmm. but it's just something that's going to happen in Memphis. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. One of the questions I had on Arborvitae this week were uh, where they had them against the wall And they were wondering if it was normal for the backside Mm -hmm. to brown against the wall. We
3: see a lot of that.
2: Yeah. And I realized, well, that's something else that we don't, that people don't think about, that there's no sun or no air circulation or reflective heat, Mm -hmm. uh, just too shaded. So the backside's going to die. And
3: sometimes you have the irrigation head right there, just, Mm -hmm. you know, blowing (laughs) the back of this thing, just keeping it sloppy wet also. And then that burns. But also, the number one enemy of arbivitis is, is back. Uh, and that would be the bagworm mm-hmm. uh, I had a lot of people come into the garden yeah, center uh, With yep. pictures, you know And they're um. like, what's going on? And if you zoom in close enough You can see the little bagworms bag hanging there And uh, this lady was like Well, I looked and she said Oh, that is what a bagworm yeah. is And I was like, yeah There's a little <laughs> caterpillar in there it's, And is eating your arbovita It's not
2: a little caterpillar With a cute little pink bag oh. Holding it on your <laughs> It's a worm in a bag But they are
3: out with a vengeance. So if you've got orbovitas and cedars and cypress and junipers and those type of evergreens, and amongst other plants also, Mm -hmm. shrubs, uh, go out there and make around and look for this little teepee-hanging worm, Mm -hmm. uh, caterpillar, this, you know, camouflage hanging on your Branches, and sometimes you look there and you see it looks like your shrub is moving because you have that many bagworms on there. I
0: went to a church one time. And a guy called me about it. their dwarf Alberta spruces were, you know, turning brown. <sighs> And uh, went over and I said, "I said, well, look at it, and you could see it shaking. Yeah, you know, there uh, were yeah. so many on there, you know. <laughs> and and he, they
2: don't notice, and he
0: never <laughs> noticed that, you know.
3: And if you've got bagworms, uh, you know, the old story is, yeah, you can pick them off, but you better put them in a bag mm-hmm. and zip that thing up, or they'll climb right out of whatever garbage can you put them in, right? They do, they, and, they do. And then of course go back in there and spray. And there's a lot of sprays that will control caterpillars, you know, spinosids, uh, BTs, and,
0: you, and even if you once you sprayed you want to get rid of those bags because there are eggs in
3: a lot of those and they're going to come back next year if you don't. So you're saying, Jim, even if you spray, you still want to pick as many as
1: you
2: can. Bag picking party. I'm telling you. Well, bagworms
3: are back. I'm telling you
0: guys.
2: Well, something else men. we
0: saw this week somebody posted a picture of a crepe myrtle. Mm-hmm. We talk about crepe myrtle bark yeah, scale all the time. They're back. Scales, scale's back big time. These were big little white things moving around. And, and you know, and the first 40 people said, scale, yeah. spray quickly, drench. And it wasn't a scale at all. It was a mealybug destroyer. Right. Yeah, the little fuzzy yeah. thing that climbs it's up and you down. You can see it move. It's not a yeah. scale. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know? So yeah, I said, well, you just killed all your beneficials right, right. there.
2: Isn't it amazing <laughs> how uh, predators, Will mock the. uh, They will. Yeah, so so that way they're still. um, What am I trying to say, Jim? You know where I'm going. Well, yeah, they're camouflaged
0: within Mm -hmm. their own
3: um, food source. (laughs) <laughs>
1: there we go,
2: there we go. <laughs> so you're saying, all right, if you got a
3: crepe myrtle, and we all know what crepe myrtle bark scale looks like, yeah. and I'm telling you, it's coming back with a vengeance right and,
0: now. And the babies are black, and they're very, very tiny. So you're not
3: seeing those guys. No. When they turn white,
0: they've already attached themselves to the Pl- trunk. Yeah, they're not moving anymore.
3: They're yeah. just going to sit there and suck things out and reproduce. Yeah, and then, but the Millibow destroyer is that little woolly thing that's climbing mm-hmm. up and down the trunk. You can see it slowly, moving right. slowly, and yeah. it's white, just like the scale, but it's moving around. Right, and well, that is here. that is a predator. You're saying it eats the. It feeds on other scale, yeah. you know. And and looking at this crape myrtle that they showed, you could
0: see half a dozen or so of those, but you couldn't see any scale at all. Mm. So they're there probably tells me that the old scale that we mm-hmm. used to see in the tops of crepe myrtles, there's probably some up there, mm-hmm. you know, and they're feeding on it. But the trunks look good. So I think, you know, there, there are some... Uh, there's some insects on there. They're feeding on maybe avid honeydew or mm-hmm. something like that. But um, th- it didn't have great myrtle bark scale.
2: And you know, this is something that can't really be helped. But would um, I wonder if the predator would be there? If say, if you'd used a systemic and the scale was slowly dying off, because I'm thinking, oh, would we kill the predator if the predator eats the insect that had the systemic? Yes, you would. Oh, but still. But if the predators yeah. are
0: there, there it tells you you've got something for them to right. feed on. They're alive. Yeah, you know, so you got to so, do something. Right.
2: Yeah, but maybe if you had a lot of predators in a little scale, just wait a minute. Everybody worries
0: about killing their beneficials, which mm-hmm. obviously is a, is a bad thing. But if you're treating a plant that's that is covered in insects or is not covered in insects, if you're doing it for a just a, a, a preventative. Y- you're going to they're not going to be any beneficials there Mm -hmm. i mean so Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about that yeah Um,
2: you don't yeah (laughs) i know there's so many ways to go with that but at the same time a lot of times there's not enough beneficials to control
0: there's that's true and
2: anyway and maybe over a little bit of time there would be but us living in suburban areas we can't wait that Time out mm-hmm. Because then you have Other issues from a stress tree And, and then so, finally
3: You know And what made me even Notice all this was uh, You know I told you last week That the Japanese beetles Were eating every bloom I had on my crepe myrtles Right mm-hmm. So I went back out there This after, Not this afternoon <laughs> The other afternoon To finish killing off The Japanese beetles That are on my crepe myrtles And that's when I noticed Scale on these crepe myrtles mm-hmm. That I've never had before Now the crepe myrtles Are only three years old Okay So they're fairly young New crepe myrtles And very healthy uh, but I got scale out there also yeah. And then right across the fence from me On the other side mm-hmm. Are three or four crate myrtles my neighbor has And doesn't have, you know, He doesn't care if there's eight million Japanese beetles on his Which there were yeah,
2: Which is good, so they're no, on his no, But that's drawn
3: to mine also <laughs> So when I get out there and spray, I think I'm going to spray here also No charge
2: Yeah, there you yeah. go, that's the way to do it That's how your neighbors get you to take care of their yard Is, is not take care yeah, of their exactly. yard Exactly <laughs> well let's see y'all give us a call two six zero five nine two six. that's two six zero five nine two six. um i guess we're going to run off to a break and we will get you right after the break good morning good morning welcome back Mid South Gardeners.
0: We're sitting here talking about the great tomato contest right. coming up. We got uh, we got master gardeners coming in here sometime in the next hour or so, and we're going to talk about that that's coming up next Saturday. This hey.
2: sounds like great tomato yep. picking music. We got
0: Ben, Kenneth, and I from the radio station. So we got uh, we Ooh. got Veda voted off the island. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> but it's a good thing, <laughs> you know. She has to work y- on Saturdays. You y'all know, are poor uh, thing. Y'all are more. <laughs> tomato connoisseurs. Oh, I so definitely I am a tomato, tomato connoisseur. So I think it's for, the, uh, well, for y'all to be the judges. That's
0: true, but you know, the only plant you grew was a tomato. Yeah, <laughs> <on the> <laughs> that's right. I, did.
2: so we do have I some, didn't do it this year. <laughs> we do have, <laughs> have some guys <laughs>
3: coming up, uh, you know, the beginning of the next hour and we'll get into the old tomato contest, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun, you know. And, 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 like, and I've always said this, You know, people love growing their own vegetables for whatever reason, whether it's in containers or or plots or raised beds or whatever. But it's something about the tomato. You know, have you ever seen that uh, tomato fight they have? Is it's in Spain? You know, I thought about that going home last night. I'm
0: thinking last year. Seriously considered starting one, because <laughs> right. there were so many
2: tomatoes there. <laughs> but, but I was in there thinking... <laughs> that would have been a good thing. <laughs> Hopefully
3: they're using the overriped, you know, maybe not so good tomatoes, because mm-hmm. they're going through a million pounds of tomatoes, <laughs> just throwing them at one another, you know?
2: So I guess it doesn't matter how they taste or look for this uh, one. No,
3: no. <laughs> really?
2: That's why Now, why are they throwing it's tomatoes? It's a festival. It's
3: just a festival. They've um. done it forever, and... Uh, and most people Have got wise stuff They'll go out there With like football helmets On and stuff You know Because people are Aiming straight for the head You know And getting hit Upside the head With a big fat tomato Is probably not The best thing Sounds In the world like
2: an Underlying story to that Yeah you think <laughs> Well, gets rid of so, some of your frustrations. That, that's what I'm thinking. That's the underlying story. Yep. Well, I had a, a customer come in and say, you know, they grow tomatoes all the time. So this, this <clears> year <throat> they decided to use the um, soil that we sell there, the earth mix that Monrovia does.
3: And they were doing these in containers. I'm yeah,
2: it yeah. And he said that, honestly, he's got the best, sweetest tomato. And he thinks it's because of the soil. But it's because it's organic soil. Used a lot of organic products mixed together to increase the uh, bloom size and the taste of your fruit. Well, So I was glad to hear that. But it's just, even though it was the soil that he used that was ours, it's still blended with a lot of organic products. And so, there's
3: a lot yeah. of good organic potting soils on the market. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Ocean yeah. Forest, the Happy Frog from Fox Farm. You know, yeah. we sell tons of that also, Veda. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and say, because most soils are completely organic mm-hmm. unless they're additives to it, right? Yeah. Uh, but there are some soils that are pretty darn heavy that are not that good for growing stuff in containers, and that's what potting soils are for, in my opinion, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a good quality potting soil makes all the difference, like you're saying. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there's the $2 bag and then there's the $12 bag. I'm going for the $12 bag when it comes to a potting soil.
2: Right. You because know, you could still get the $2 bag, but you need to add another yeah. type of soil and then you should add the fertilizer. And so you've got a little bag of humic acid, you've got a little bag of cottonseed meal, mm-hmm. you got a little bag of poultry manure on down the line, or you can just buy it pre-mixed. You can and that's tell why. Kenneth
0: hasn't bought potting soil in a while because that $12 bag is now 20
3: Well, yeah. but Jim, you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to use the, the better grade potting soil because I'm telling you, on some brands, uh, you know, you open one bag and it appears to be okay. Well, you open the other bag and it is heavy as concrete, so there's no consistency between bag to bag, and that's what runs people crazy. Another thing on tomatoes that we're seeing a lot of right now is the old blossom end rot. We've talked about that. Yep. Where the bottom of the tomato (laughs) starts to rot. I mean, you're looking Mm -hmm. at this thing, and you're like, okay, here come my tomatoes, you know. Well, it
2: probably started from all this moisture, and then we were dry. The rain is the issue. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and people
0: people like to overwater tomatoes. They just do. I mean, they're 98% water or so, you know. So um, people just have this tendency to love them. Too much, right? Because we
2: got to make sure. Water, you
0: know, the most of the calcium that's in your soil, if you've been liming, is a calcium carbonate, which, when water is added to it, it's not available to the plant. So what we you have to do is to to fix that is give it calcium that is available and you can get that
3: through. Yes, yeah, a couple of different products. There's a yield booster which is calcium chloride, right? Uh, which is a liquid that you spray and pour. And then there's another really good product that's granulated, the uh, calcium nitrate. Both
0: those forms of calcium are immediately available, regardless of whether your soil is too wet or mm-hmm. not. So that's the best way to fix it quick. And get rid of all the tomatoes that have started right. right. They're just they're not going to be any good. You're just wasting your time and energy on that, on those. So dump those and let it start fresh with and, some calcium.
3: And I'm with Theta. You know, a lot of times, you know, we're watering the correct way, but a lot of times the weather, uh, you know, has something to do with that also. So I like to be proactive. When I start getting tomatoes, uh, go ahead and use either the Yield booster, or the Calcium Chloride or the Granulated Calcium Nitrate. Uh, just to prevent that blossom end rot. I mean, because, like I said, there's nothing worse than having these things. Just almost, you know, you can see them. They're fixing to start turning pink, and then red, and then boom, blossom end rot, and that tomato is ruined. You know. Also,
0: saw yesterday somebody posted a picture of anthracnose, which is easy to mistake for blossom end rot. Mm-hmm. Uh, blossom end rot is always going to be on the base of the plant. A rot at, at the, the, bottom right. the, bottom, uh, the bottom of the plant, at the bottom of the tomato, of the fruit, or you know, whether it's a pepper or whatever. If you're getting water-soaked spots that look like that up on the sides or top with a black center, usually we'll have a little purple ring around that black. It's mm-hmm. faint, but you can see it. Now, that's anthracnose. It's easily cured, you know, with a little dacadil, chlorophyll. Liquid copper, anything like that. Even copper, um, but it, it, it happens, particularly this time of year when we've had a, wet and then turns hot and if you get any sort of little damage on there, insect pierces it or something that's a place for anthracnose to
3: take hold now does it also show up on the foliage of the plant doesn't necessarily so you
0: could this is a fruit and type anthracnose okay it's different than blackening foliage like you see on a lot of things yeah no it'll look your plant will look fine Mm Uh, but you'll get the fruit. We'll have these wet spots in them.
2: Yeah, just pick the fruit off, throw it away, and fertilize it some more, <laughs> and spray <laughs> with the fungicide. It, no, I wouldn't. If I you, mean for well, me, if my if couple it's of plants, one or two, yeah, yeah,
0: I, you know, I just pull the fruit off and dispose of it. But be prepared that if it continues, mm-hmm. then yeah, then you got have, go have your fungicide.
2: But ready. if you're growing a field of them. You couldn't really just well, most, peel them off and then...
0: You know, if you've got a lot, you should be proactive in, in taking care of them.
2: Man, I saw in Asheville, North Carolina, like a pasture of tomatoes. Oh, yeah. I that I was surprised because I didn't know that tomatoes grew in Asheville, North Carolina, especially out in the field. So driving around through the interstate or whatever, and you just look out, and I'm thinking, what in the world is that? Ripe tomatoes just all through the field. It was really quite pretty tomato field was really pretty
3: (laughs) (laughs) there you go and one thing and and of course i know everybody has seen everything that we talk about but i also had a lady come in there again to the garden center uh with another part of a crepe myrtle some samples and inundated with powdery mildew i thought we were kind of over the mildew
2: i thought so too we'll be right back Good morning, and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. You're here with Veda Vance with Palladio, Kenneth Mabry with Dan West, and Jim Crowder in the uh, required reclined ron chair. Do you <laughs> Re- know what a reclined I- I rind a, chair is? Yeah,
0: some people are couch potatoes. I'm a recliner liner. Yes, that's so, it.
2: Recliner uh, <laughs> liner. So, um,
0: and I'm actually uh, and I'm, keeping uh, up. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to go looking for a new recliner.
2: Oh. Oh yeah, we get to because, brag about the new one. Because yeah. you're sitting there putting all this fantastic knowledge on the Mid South Garden Facebook page. So have, your uh, recliner is getting kinda. Yeah, of used the mileage lately. is getting high yeah. on it. So <laughs> in, fact,
0: in fact the one Carol said uh sits in is the, I think we're going to look for a pair because I'm afraid if I bump it, it'll fall apart. Mm. You know, she loves it. Yeah. It's comfortable, fits her and the dog just fine. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the whole family. Yeah,
2: Yeah, so now if you could get the recliner that's got fold-up wheels and they unfold and they're big. Tire wheels and you could just roll it out down the stairs to the yard and do your work. Yeah.
0: You know, I'd really like to have one of those those fancy massage chairs, mm-hmm. you know, but they just look so ugly. I yeah. <laughs> you and know? where do they
2: fit? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> now Jim, and what's the Facebook page?
0: The Facebook is Mid South Gardening. That's it. Mid-South Gardening. So if
3: I just type in Mid-South Gardening, i go straight to your page. And you I'm telling you guys. It. yeah, on
0: Facebook group, we're now up to about 6,700 members. Yep, just saw that. And, um,
3: it is a great, every time I get on Facebook, uh, and it's not a lot, but every time I do, uh, one of the first things that pops up on my Facebook page is Mid-South Gardening. Yeah,
0: it, it's, a, it's a great site, you know. Now, it's, it's a little different from most other ones, um, you know. It's a dictatorship. It's not a democracy. I run the thing. <laughs> but, you know, I don't allow... What what I envisioned was a conversation from people who are gardeners and people who want to be real good gardeners mm-hmm. and leave out the questionable stuff. Yeah. No links. I don't allow links to sites, you know. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what a plant is and you look it up and tell somebody else this is the plant... You, you might be right. You might be wrong. Yeah, so you know, we might as Well, you, they're looking for some. Why do research for somebody else yeah. that
2: they're fully capable of doing? Right, right. Um, but so, they haven't got to experience but, what a real gardener has. That's right.
0: We want a, people who really know what they're talking about, or at least you know they have a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because a lot yeah. of them are wrong. We had a uh, we had a case the other day where. Uh, somebody posted a picture of a green dragon. You know what is a, that? It it's a it's it's our. I mean, I know what a green dragon <laughs> know, it is. Like it's, it's, on, it's a native arum. It puts up a single oh. leaf. Okay,
3: uh,
0: it gets up three feet tall or so. Puts on berries, kind of like actually, I uh, did
3: see that picture. It looked yeah. like a uh,
0: like almost like a buckeye. Yeah, it does. And somebody even identified it as a buckeye. You know, mm-hmm. but out of the f- f- 12 or 15 people who put things on there, that's a such and such. Only two of us were right. Yeah. You know, so, and and i leave that, Mm -hmm. you know, and usually I'll say, you know, this is what it is, um,
3: just so that people who read it later know, but it's... So a lot of people do that, don't they? They'll take a picture of something that they're not sure what it is. What it is, or... And and they'll send it to, I guess, you know, Mid-South Gardening uh, on the Facebook page, and then you'll have people comment on what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, Jim, invariably somebody knows what that is, right?
0: You know, and sometimes some of them are a little more difficult. You know, um, mm. but it's it, just
2: fun. It's really interesting to watch because we've got st- people from other zones as well. Yes, so there's. Uh, it's nice to see what's going on in other areas. You know, most of and our members
0: are you know in the mid South area, but we have members all even all across Europe and, and well, Australia. That? Um, but it's, it, insects and disease issues are pretty much the same everywhere. You know, the fix is pretty much the same. Yeah. I mean, the bug might be different. The fungus might be different. A plant may not grow here or may not grow up north. And, you know, we usually address that pretty well. Yeah. Um, so it, but it's a really good group. You know, um, if you go to it, there are going to be three questions for you to answer, answer them. If you don't, you ain't getting in. Okay. Yeah, got gotcha. you. It's just
3: that just simple. It's that simple. That's well, simple. in case to point, Vade I had a guy uh, send me a picture this week on my phone, and uh, he, he said, "What is this thing?" And it was a it was a mum, a chrysanthemum. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and he said, oh, "You know what? I do remember a couple of years ago of putting some mums out there yeah. and wondering where you know that they were even perennial. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times yeah. chrysanthemums do come back as a perennial." And, of course, it wasn't blooming, you know, when I, when I got the picture. But uh, it's, you're right, Jim. A lot of people, you know, things come up in their landscape, whether they put it there or not, and they're not quite sure what these things are, you yeah. know.
2: So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's true. That's a great way to find out. You know, you used to have to wait till your neighbor came over and walked through the yard, and they were going to ask Betty Joe. And if Betty Joe didn't know, then she knew somebody <laughs> down the street that might know. And by the time it gets around, they got to come back and look because who, for, who knows what we were talking about.
0: You Know, um, <laughs> there's no drama in it at yeah. all. We don't, I don't allow that. Um, there's no arguing that's back why and I forth. can't be on the page. Uh, you know, I just won't <laughs> permit that. Uh, that's don't, good because ala- we want to have fun at yeah, this. I don't allow you know people who r- rant about telling somebody that you know they're not being natural, natural enough, enough, or enough or environmental. And yeah, that
2: would so you
0: know, that, yeah. there's no point in that, and so I don't allow that, but. But it's uh, what's really cool is when you get a plant that uh, <laughs> some people think, oh, I love this plant, like trumpet trumpet creeper. Mm-hmm. You know, some people go, oh, it's, it's super invasive. You know, yeah. and other people go, it's a yeah. beautiful flower and hummingbirds love it. You know, right. so you get such a varied opinion on the same plant. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, so, and that
2: just goes really to show cool. it's only the situation that the plant's in whether That's a person right. loves it or hates it. Really, you know, if a yeah. plant
0: is aggressive as far as spreading in a garden, like Mexican petunias or something like. Mm-hmm that some people don't like that but you know i consider thinning uh, just part of gardening yeah. right you know right. you you can keep it where you want it it's no different than pruning or weeding or fertilizing it's just part of what you do
4: and then and
3: there are things like mint and and yeah. even Rebecca's and gorillas like you're talking about and i have large swatches of both of those yes you do <laughs>
0: well
2: you know perennials are looking fantastic now and i've never seen so many different colors of coneflower that it's too hard to pick which colors i want Mm -hmm. coneflowers are fantastic and so many names i can't even there you know remember we just had the purple coneflower yeah now there's salsa and and orange and yellow and red and lavender Mm -hmm. and maybe red maybe just amazing colors and they come back every year Fantastically, mm-hmm. love it dry after after established. Well, and people though.
3: need perennials. I mean, it's, it's great to have annual color because the annuals are going to bloom every day until mm-hmm. frost. The only drawback is you have to plant them every year. Yep. Where the perennials, you know, they'll come back every year for you, typically speaking. Uh, but they have a blooming season. They don't bloom every day like the annuals that's why so many people try to incorporate some of both in there yeah uh and then of course there are annuals that can take full blazing sun and i mean uh, excuse me perennials and then there's some that can grow in more shade i mean in, anybody that's got a shade garden you know they've got hostas and ferns in there
2: and hooker and now but there that are many more
3: you know there's epimediums and hellebores yeah. and so many more that can grow in uh, in the shade. So there's, I mean, there is a perennial for, for really any situation, no yeah, doubt. That really is. Hey, we had a question from Wendy Johnson here wanting to know whether
0: she could use gypsum as a calcium source. And that's calcium sulfate. That, that is a great question. That is a great question. But the answer is no, not in our clay. You don't want
3: to. If you want to add just a little bit, that's okay. But gypsum. Well, no. let me back up. Okay. Uh-huh. Gypsum comes in a 40-pound bag, covers mm-hmm. about 2,000 square feet. Typically speaking, people would put gypsum down to help loosen up or make that clay soil more porous. doesn't work in our clay soil. We right. have the wrong clay for that. Uh, okay.
0: Okay. It's a great product for farmers, because the <laughs> till, because it will help change the structure of your soil. But if you're not tilling it regularly, it's not going to help. So it's not something from the farming community that carries over to the homeowner. So you're making sheetrock
3: is what you're saying.
0: That's right. When you use it out in the southwest, it helps take soluble salts out of the out of your soil. Mm. So it's really a good product for the clay soils in the southwest US. Well, but here it's not. It actually seals the clay. Mm. We use it in ponds. Just dump it. If you've got a levee that's leaking, you just dump it. Don't gypsum all that. It will bind to any clay that's floating in the water and pull it down to that. So you can seal a leaking pond
3: with it. Now, <laughs> if you can seal a pond, <laughs> does that tell you that's a good thing yeah. to put in the ground? And now, think
2: how much we used it back in the day. <laughs> uh, but
3: hold on. But you mentioned you can lightly put gypsum down to get a calcium, uh, you, you know, input. You could,
0: you could put a couple of tablespoons around and
3: not affect the soil. Okay, uh, that. Would, that's my point. But also, if you have, let's say, if you have a vegetable plot uh or you know a a plot that you're actually working that soil and you're adding those amendments in there you're not just adding it to your just native soil like Mm -hmm. you would a lawn okay Uh, rosarians for example you know when they're doing their beds uh, they're adding gypsum to those to those beds but they're working this stuff in they're adding all these other amendments jim Uh, As long
0: as you're not not adding it to a primarily clay soil, it's not going to be an issue. If you're putting in elevated beds and things like that, now, because it's water-soluble, most of it's going to go right through that, okay? So it's not going to be there long-term, but it's not something that you want to put in our standard clay soil, Okay. Yeah, now, one of our I-
2: soils has some gypsum mixed in it, just a little bit. Yeah, but it is in one of but the soil blends. Your soil,
0: from- though, is not like our clay soil. Right, here. exactly. You know, it works differently. It's just, it's not the same. Uh, because right, so it used
2: to be where they would till and just dump bags of gypsum in the clay. Yeah. And then, to, and, and then farmers was,
0: broadcast it over their fields yeah. if they're having to, because they're tilling it, because it will change the structure, mm-hmm. makes it clump up better. Right,
2: yeah. but if it's mixed in, like you said, in some loose, porous dirt, already mixed in, then maybe go with that, but just don't take big Oh,
3: so Wendy, so if she wants to build up
0: that calcium. It's cheaper to use calcium chloride or calcium nitrate, you know, in a small garden plot. Um, now, what about what, lime? what's what's the retail price on a forty pound bag of gypsum? I don't have any. I just idea. say twelve bucks. 12, you know. Okay, twelve bucks. You know, a bag of lamb's going to do.
3: Mm, as far as the price, yeah. you know, it's seven bucks. You know, yeah. six bucks. Whatever. Right.
0: We'll do it just as well. Uh, you know, um, but I no, don't yeah. use it. <laughs>
2: well, you know, and that's why some of the Espoma uh, products, like you can get a Holly Tone, a Plant Tone, a Garden Tone. Each of them have a little bit. They're all made of the same product, basically, but they're using different um, ratios of the product right. or maybe adding a little bit of something extra, like in the garden tone, there's lime and there's... Um, maybe, and there's a, maybe a little more phosphate yeah. in there. You yeah, know. yeah for, for the garden because they need more lime. Then the holly tone doesn't have lime. Probably has more sulfur in more it. More sulfur because of acidic things, yeah. but they still have the base... Natural products, right, and, in. and
0: that you hit on something there too. They're selling Holly tone all across the country. Yeah, well, putting it down in Nashville will help significantly lower your pH. Mm-hmm. Here, you want to make sure you're checking your pH because a lot of times we're at the low end of what azaleas and dogwoods and hollies like. So make sure you check it. There may be yeah. years where you want to instead of putting Holly tone down, put down Planttone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love this foam products. You know. They're, they're great organic options mm-hmm. But they really became good When they took the old Biotone Product that right. they used to sell yeah. by itself right. uh-huh. And put it in all yeah. Of the products. So what
3: you're saying is yeah. they added mycorrhiza, um, gem right. to all that's of the right. products And mycorrhiza is that beneficial fungi That's great for the root systems out mm-hmm. there Absolutely. That made a world of Difference in the quality of their fertilizer now, and, and, and I know we've got to go to a break but our pH is typically around here a little more Acidic than alkaline. Yes It depends on where you are. You particularly if you get inside the loop of yeah. Memphis, most of
0: it is around five and a half, which or is pretty so. darn acidic. It you is. know it is, and you know if your if your hydrangeas are naturally blue, you can tell that your pH is somewhere around that. But if it's you know if when you get outside that and get out into to Eads and that area where a lot of that was for a hundred years or so farmland, Yeah, uh, a lot of that pH is up around six and a half because it's been tilled repeatedly. It's had lime added to it. And you it.
3: made a comment before that Mother Nature doesn't like her pH to be changed. I mean, in other words... It's hard to change. Let's say out in needs where it's a little more alkaline. Right. Uh, compared to in the loop, that it's a little more acidic, okay, overall. But don't our soils naturally naturally go acidic anyway? Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, one of the reasons is acid rain we call it that but rain is really when it falls pH is usually around 5.6 because mm-hmm. it mixes with carbon dioxide alright
2: we're going to run to a break real quick and go through the rest a of it of when we get back <laughs> good morning and welcome back you can call us 260-5926 and Jim continue
0: ok
1: we were talking about <laughs> the pH yeah
0: yeah Uh, And we were talking about rain. When rain falls through the atmosphere, even in clean, good clean air, it mixes with carbon dioxide and forms a light carbolic acid. So by the time it gets to the ground, the pH is about 5.6.
3: Which is slightly acidic and that's just everyday rain. Right.
0: So your soil over time begins to
3: lower. But
0: that doesn't. But it happen. takes a long time to do that. <laughs> you know, when I, when I
3: just thought of something. Because, but that doesn't happen everywhere. Because I guess in some soils, you know, you still have a lot of the slate and you know the yeah. other things that are more. It's more al- alkaline. Really alkaline. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: But even there, it's going yeah. to over time. And the yeah. more polluted your air is, the lower that pH. When we talk about acid rain, we're talking about stuff that falls in the four to five range or even lower. Yeah, if you got uh, big factor. Uh, I mean, yeah.
3: industries uh, with smog and. all that stuff. You know, the rain's collecting that stuff and bringing it down to the ground, so that's acid rain.
0: But, you know, it takes an awful lot to change
3: your pH.
0: Your soil pH is extremely stable.
3: That's what you were saying the other day. Mother Nature doesn't like people fooling with her pH.
0: That's right. And, you know, things you hear people talk about uh, putting pine needles on it, it will acidify your Soul, Not if mm-hmm. it were 10 feet deep. <laughs> I mean, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, it
3: will eventually, wouldn't it? No. Okay.
0: No. When they come off the tree, they are yeah. a little more acidic. But very shortly after a few rains, yeah. they're hardly acidic at all. Yeah. Um so it's it's just not going to happen. Nothing you put on your soil is go other than lime or something that's designed to really mm-hmm. to lower your pH is going to do that. So right. sulfur's going to lower it, lime's going to raise we, it. I've seen, we hear the coffee grounds a lot. Yeah. Talks it's it's not even hard. it's barely acidic. <laughs> it, P, coffee grounds comes out of the coffee thing at 6.5, 6.8. You know, so it's almost neutral.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I've never seen a boxwood suffering in a bed that was uh, covered with pine straw. And boxwoods don't like acidic soil. And uh, back in a couple of years ago, I had wondered about that because I had heard uh, through rumors What you could call it That don't put pine needles out It mm-hmm. messes the pH of your soil But then I constantly saw Things that didn't need high pH Or didn't need a ac- acidic soil With pine needles with around pine it With pine needles around Like boxwoods for it. Yes, example Yes, exactly But it,
3: but it's pretty cool That we can adjust our pH though You can uh, add sulfur Or aluminum sulfate Or any mm-hmm. kind of sulfate Typically we'll bring the pH down You can surely add lime Like Jim's talking about To raise the pH And a lot of times That's what we're having right. to do but I like the idea that back in the old days, you know, we got the old white calisthetic lime. You know, it was messy. Uh, you know, it blew around, got all over you. I and mean, it was just that white lime. Everybody remembers that. Well, now there's some really good pelletized limes out there. And the pelletized limes are more homogenous. They, they, you actually get a better coverage.
0: Yeah, so much easier. Yeah, with pelletized
3: lime. And they break down faster. And now there's even a fast lime that is pelletized. Instead of taking months to break down and alter your pH, you can do it in weeks, Oh I love which is unheard all, this,
2: of. all this pelletized stuff because we had a, a client in that needed to feed his, his azaleas. And so I'm like, you know, composting, put compost around it. And we talked more and I said, man, those are some tall azaleas and a lot of azaleas. You don't want to be bending down putting compost. So now there's granule compost basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) your plant tones your holly tones Mm -hmm. and you know you it has the directions to put it down you know at a certain rate but if you're having issues you could actually double the rate of the organic product and not not yeah yeah it'll just more longevity of food there it's already been an hour oh y'all okay we're going to be back next hour so give us a call with your great questions and we're going to have information on the great tomato contest see you in a few
1: the garden help you need.
0: Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. And welcome back to hour number two. In case you're looking at this on Facebook, Veda didn't suddenly get ugly. I'm in front of the camera. Okay.
3: So, sorry to disappoint you, but here I am. But if you want to give us a call this morning, 260-5926, 260-5926. But, Jim, the first uh, 15 or 20 minutes of the show this morning, of this hour, we've got to talk about the fourth annual Great Mid-South Tomato Contest.
0: Yeah, we got a house full of master gardeners here. we got Jamie the master gardener, his lovely wife, Jan. we got Jenny over here. we got Debbie. And uh, we're going to talk about the Great Tomato Contest coming up next Saturday, the 17th. And this is open to everybody. This isn't open to master gardeners. Uh, So get you want to get out there. We're going to give you the times for entry, and the judging. And uh, and we got uh, three people from the station here. We got Kenneth, myself, and Ben, who's going to be a judge. Uh, so we're looking forward to it.
3: Now um, there are other judges other than just us three. I there mean, I'm, are. here uh, they've got a real judge
0: judge. They have judging. a real
3: judge judge, and then they have uh, he's
0: a doctor, I think, of uh, works for UT Walter Battle. Walter Battle. Uh, so looking forward to having them. He was there last uh, the last time we did this two years ago. Um so very you interesting t- you're talking fella. about
3: bragging rights though. I mean for the rest of the year, if you've got the like one of the best tomatoes or the best shaped tomatoes or the whatever. Debbie, tell us about this tomato contest thing.
5: Well, we're so excited to share a bunch of tomato knowledge with you. This is gonna be at that big red barn out at mm-hmm. the Agri Center, seven 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 Walnut Grove. And you can bring your tomatoes in. Uh, registration is from nine to eleven then those judges are going to start tasting those tomatoes and then we'll tally up the scores and about three o'clock we'll have the announcement and presentation of the ribbons. But the one of the most exciting things about the day is we have a lot of education going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to know about tomato pests, you want to know about tomato diseases, you want to know about best practices, this is the place to be. We'll have an Ask a Mask Gardener table mm-hmm. and we'll have a lots of different education venues and we have a kids table. I'm going to ask <laughs> you guys. Do you know what the state fruit of Tennessee is? No. It is the tomato. Did
3: not know that. Good Lord. So you're saying entries from 9 to 11. Correct. <laughs> so if you're going to participate in the tomato contest with a tomato, with an entry, right, you have to make sure you do it between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, correct? That is right. And then the, go ahead, Debbie.
5: And it's it's really, it's really special if you know the name of your tomato and mm. whether it's an heirloom or not. Mm-hmm. If you bring cherry tomatoes, make sure you bring a good handful because we've got to spread those out over all the judges. We want all of them to have a really good. All list. right. So let's
3: say because I I won there last year, but let's say I've got a tomato, okay, and I come up there. Uh, and do I bring one? Do I bring a basket full? Or can I only enter, enter one tomato?
5: I mean, you can br- We prefer you bring a couple of tomatoes okay. of the same kind so that <clears throat> we can cut them up and divide them evenly. And then, you know, at least six to 12 of your cherry tomatoes, your smaller right. tomatoes.
3: And, and, and let's say if I bring a tomato up there, my, or I got two of them, I'm bringing up my perfect tomatoes. Do I enter them in a particular field? Like, do I say, I want this one, I think this one's going to taste better, or is this one the best-looking tomato? How do I do that?
5: Okay, so what we're going to do is tell you what the categories are. We have a category for heaviest. We have cherry. We have a Mm -hmm. junior division, which is a lot of fun uh, for kids. We have a slicing, an heirloom. And then we have salsa, and then we take those scores, and we find the best of show. Wow. Cool. Wow.
3: So I, as an individual, that I want to enter my tomatoes, I don't go up there and say, hey, I've got these two tomatoes. They're heirlooms. They're the best two heirlooms I've ever grown in my life, okay? And I've already had one, so I know how well they taste. Do I tell the judges, hey, I want this to be in there as the best flavor, or do the judges just pick? you know whatever category it fits in
5: right we will help them decide which category to enter under Got and it. then the judges decide which is the tastiest. They have a really long score sheet that they have to look at. It's really pretty involved. I'm sure that they get their fill of tomatoes before the day is over.
3: Yeah, And there's no shenanigans going on with the heaviest tomato, is it? Like, you know, I've heard of people getting, you know, uh, little needles and filling them full of water and all that stuff, you know?
5: These are for real heavy tomatoes. Well, thanks for sharing that. (laughs) <laughs> some of these guys are really serious about those heavy tomatoes.
3: That is so much fun, Jim. Hey, so you did this last year, and Beta did it last year. And this po- is my year first year last. to be a judge. Yeah. A year before last, because right. of COVID last year. Uh, and uh, I was kidding with Jamie over here, and I said, you know, I'll, I'll surely take kickbacks, uh, at, you know, as far as judging the tomatoes. But I was just kidding. I won't, okay? I'm going to be an honest judge for this tomato contest thing, Jim. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it, you know, it, Kenneth, is it's a blind judge. Yeah. You get a tomato.
3: Yeah. You don't know who
4: brought it, or you just got a number, and you know we won't know that it's over with what number was the best. Right. So it's a blind judge. There's no, no hanky panky to go on. <laughs> no, I was kidding. No. Along the line, so. But anyway, that's, that's what makes it such an interesting contest. Well,
3: but I also like the idea that Debbie said a while ago that there will be people out there answering questions, of course. And I surely love the idea of the kids being involved. Yes. I mean, because if you think about it, the Memphis Area Master Gardener program is all about education anyway. That's right. I mean, that's what it's all about.
5: And we're going to send kids home with their own little tomato seed, planted in a cup with a bunch of knowledge in their head about how to raise that tomato.
3: Cool. And they've got time to get a crop this year, too. And there's no forms that an individual has to fill out before they get there, anything like that. They just show up with their tomatoes, and we'll get them entered in, and then I guess we let the people know later on in the day when the judging starts and that starts at what time
5: the judging starts at 11 right. and then they will get a phone call if they placed after we tally up all those scores
3: and you're saying there's some beautiful ribbons to be handed out
5: they are you talk about bragging rights they're gorgeous so we're really excited about that well, oh that's that.
3: cool and, and and i know at one time which tickled me to no end Uh, Jamie, when y'all, the first year that y'all did this, I think y'all had the, and and me and Veda and Jim called it the ugliest tomato, and you called it something else. Unique. Unique tomato, that's it. We don't have
4: ugly tomatoes, (laughs) we have unique tomatoes.
3: Because, I mean, people, you know, might get lucky and have an ugly tomato, but to me, tomatoes are absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Hey, you guys got a unique host here in front of the camera. So that's a lot of fun, then, guys. So, as long as you get up there between 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, and you said this is at, is it outside of the Red Barn or where?
5: It's right there at the farmer's market. Yes. You know, the portico that comes yes. out the porch. That's where we will be. And we'll have an ask a master gardener's table set up. Lots of education venues there for you to take a look at.
3: That is so much fun, guys. And I guess the tomatoes, it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be a chilled tomato. It can be just plucked right off the tomato plant that morning and run down there.
0: Yeah, take all the sticky stuff off, though, from the sticker. Okay? we'll Make <laughs> that's, sure that's that, off and gone. That's tacky. You all got that's it. tacky. And you
3: know those stickers are actually edible? <laughs> they are. They, so, are. they are food-grade stickers. Well, because a lot of people probably don't take them off, Jim, yeah. when they're slicing their tomato. But also, Debbie, you said on the cherry tomatoes. Make sure that you bring a good handful of those. Right. Uh, So any tomato they can enter, there's not one that you can't, of course, but typically these are tomatoes that Jim doesn't have stickers on them. People are growing them themselves in their their backyard.
5: And I'm amazed at the unique names. I mean, we have some called um, Aunt Lou's Underground Railroad, uh, Jen Fizz, Thornburgs, terracotta. I didn't even know there were so many different kinds of species you could grow and eat.
3: Good Lord. And then you've made the comment also, uh, Debbie, that people will be out there, I guess with tables set up, to answer questions about, you know, future uh, tomato growing, right? Uh, And we were talking about the lime a while ago, Jim. You know, lime is pretty important when it comes to tomatoes also. It is, you know, and I don't and, know
0: why I'm sitting here. You But, should uh, be but over no,
3: there. hush, because you're also we're talking about the anthracnose. There are a lot of things that can go wrong with tomatoes. Well, yeah, there are. So, but we're here to help you get through that. So ahead. every Saturday morning,
5: I have a lot of people have been uh, calling and asking me about blossom end rot this yeah. year.
0: Been a real problem as wet spring we've had, yes. uh, and then you know, as we say, people like to love their tomatoes to death. Um, they think
3: you mean they'll kill them with ten to eleven K, is yeah. What you're saying? Yeah, just yet
0: to get too much water, which makes the calcium unavailable, um, and so we just have to get them a type of calcium that's available in wet soil. If the rain, if the weather's not cooperating, or you know our irrigation system's just not fixable, um, but we can do that with calcium chloride or calcium nitrate.
3: Uh, yeah, well we talked about that in the first but hour. Not gypsum. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about so that also, also in the first hour. Yeah. And there's always pros and cons, I guess, when it comes to, you know, growing tomatoes. And there are some secrets out there that people are never going to give up, that we'll never know about. You know, years ago,
0: uh, I had, there was a gentleman that was at our church who, was, who grew some really nice tomatoes. So Chris mm-hmm. Gane called me when she was writing for the Commercial Appeal, and she said, mm-hmm. you know, I want to do an article on tomatoes. And I said, well, call this guy. He, he really grows some nice ones. He was apparently quite rude to her and was
3: not going to give up his secrets at all. And so she
0: got nothing out of him. Well, that's what I'm telling you, Jim. You know?
3: Out of all the vegetables out there in the garden, Debbie, uh, Jamie, it's something about the tomato. People want to, you know, for they want most of us good gardeners. We'll, you know, tell everybody all the secrets in the world, okay, including myself. But I, I have a guy from Mississippi comes into the garden center every year. And him and, I guess, a partner of his have always got this bet going of who can grow the best tomato. And he'll come in and he said, say, all right, Kenny, what's the brand-new tomato that's going to be? I mean, it, y'all, it is, it is high-tech what they do down there. Uh, and and I, I promise you, he would cheat if he could.
5: My brother and I have a <laughs> fight every year no. over who can have the first ripe tomato.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's something about the wonderful tomato that we love to death. 93% and,
5: of
4: all gardens have a tomato.
3: I can't believe it's not ninety nine percent to be honest well, with you. Well, I mean, nor I. Or one hundred percent. I experience.
0: have to admit, I do not plant vegetables at all. I grow flowers. Okay. Well, but but I, but wait. Okay. But I feed tomatoes to my turtles, so I have tomato plants coming up all over the garden. <laughs> you know, and I leave some. I pull some up. So I have tomatoes
3: by accident. Now, would it? I mean, are those those good enough to enter into the contest, Mr. GM? Well, not after the turtle <laughs> munch on them. <laughs> no, they usually get
0: what we cut out of the you know the core in uh, in tomatoes that are uh, overripe. So once they get a little bit mealy, you know, they
3: and, end up and, and if someone wanted riddles. to read about the tomato contest, I guess we have this online somewhere.
5: Yes, at our website, uh, www.memphisareaMasterGardeners.org. We
0: also go. have a notice on mid you know, and we will move that to the top so that it stays a uh, prominent for front the next and center week or
3: so. Yeah. All right, so if anybody wants, wants to know anything about the tomato contest, which is coming up this coming, a week from today, this coming Saturday That's at correct. the Red Barn at the agri center, the entries are from 9 to 11. The judging will start around noon, you said, uh, and it can be any tomato, uh, whether it's an heirloom, a hybrid, but make sure you bring more than one. And with the cherry tomatoes, try to make sure you bring a handful.
5: Is that's that correct.
0: All right. Well, that's cool. You know about tomato contest. We got to take a break here. We'll be right back. You are listening to Mid South Gardening on KWA. And welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Thanks for joining us this morning. You got a question? Uh, we got one caller holding here. We'll go to him in just a minute. Um, but uh, we've got we want to we'll talk a little bit more about the tomato contest. And Jamie want to tell a little story about uh, meeting some people out at the uh, out at the farm out here at the Peel farm.
4: Right, uh, community garden out at the Shelby Farms. Uh, and uh, there, that's hard gardening. I'm telling you, that's really hard gardening. That's uh, it's, I mean, it's must Must've been hundred seven degrees when I was out there. It's like you but said,
3: anyway. Jamie. It's not like it's in their backyard. They're they're loading everything up in their pickup or whatever. They're driving out there. And they're taking care of their garden. And I'm telling you, like you said, 100 degrees in the shade. And there's uh, not a whole lot of shade out there. Absolutely. But anybody, everybody, everybody out
4: there was very receptive. And we, we explained about the contest to them. And they were very interested in it. They didn't know about it. But anyway, they had heard about it. Some of them had heard about it here on the, the radio show. And, uh, you, know, they know, you know, Kenneth and, and uh, Jim and Veda. So anyway, I had my little name tag on. I said, you've been on radio, haven't you? So (laughs) anyway, I I guess I'm getting a little knowledge, too, around here somewhere along the line. So
3: you were just letting the farmers know, I say, the individual uh, garden farmers out there know that the tomato contest is coming up this coming weekend or next weekend, and they can surely enter their tomatoes. Right. All right, we've got a tomato question here on line one. So you you guys
0: hang around here a second and chime in if you need to. Let's go to Lawrence on line one. Good morning. How are you?
6: There we
3: go. We're doing great. Thank you for the call.
6: I tell you, have got a good friend of mine who grows cherry tomatoes, Shannon Cook. <laughs> uh,
3: Shannon, this guy loves uh, Shannon Cook and, and her husband. Uh, great people, Jim. Uh, now, they have big dogs, okay? And a lot of times, big dogs in backyard gardens don't work. <laughs> and we've all somehow been down that road before, and they've tried it. So then they started growing tomatoes in containers. And, you know, a lot of people grow tomatoes in containers. And what do you have to do to be successful with that, Mr. Jim? Well, you know, first of all, use a good soil,
0: okay? Monitor your water carefully. What do you mean by that? That means make sure that when you water, you give it enough water that it saturates through that soil into the internal part of the ball and the outside. You know, when soil begins to dry, it kind of Mm -hmm. pulls away from the sides. Mm -hmm. And you can water it, and a significant amount of water will go right down the sides and right out the bottom. And you think, well, it's wet. Well, it's not. I usually like to take a long screwdriver, 12, 15 inches long, and open up some holes right next to the trunk. Just stick it down there and ream it out a little bit, so that when I water, I know water's going to the inside of that. So it's not just
3: going across the top, down the side, and out the bottom, right? right? I want some to get
0: down inside there, Um, and then make sure they're getting plenty of sun. And typically, people like to use black containers, which helps early in the season Mm -hmm. because it warms your soil up. But when we start getting really sunny days like Mm -hmm. we have in here, it that soil temperature gets quite warm. So if you can shade that pot a little bit by putting other plants around it, um, or even even protecting it from the late afternoon sun, yeah. you will you'll end up with better pollination and, and a better looking plant. Although you know the more a plant is stressed, the more it tries to reproduce, which means it tries to set fruit. So. We don't always want a tomato that's 12 feet tall and looks really green, okay? We want one that's a little stressed and trying to reproduce to put that fruit on.
3: So you're saying, I mean, the biggest thing that with growing them in containers is a good quality medium to plant them in to start with. Absolutely. Uh, and making sure you keep that thing hydrated, Jim, especially when it starts getting hot in the summertime. And talk about, talking about black pots, it made me think about, and this is a whole other story we'll get into another day, but i got to say this real quick. A lady was trying to grow some nice-looking boxwoods, Baby Jim boxwoods, in this lead container, okay? Y'all, and this container was like a window box. It was a beautiful, ornate, but made out of thick lead. And it's out there in full baking sun. And I guarantee... And the the boxwoods were dying inside of it. I don't imagine. Imagine (laughs) that. All right, guys, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So anybody and everybody, remember, next Saturday uh, at the Red Barn, that's what I know it by, just at the Red Barn at the Agri-Center, Get your tomatoes, bring them down there, uh, get them entered between, Debbie? 9 and
5: 11.
3: 9 and 11. And then uh, we'll take all the information. We'll do the judging from what time? From 11, you
0: know,
1: I until think it, whenever.
0: T- it took us probably two, two and a half hours last time and to do it, the then judging. it takes
5: a bit of time for us to tally all right. those scores. Okay. It's a lot of numbers to add up, and sometimes the numbers are very close, and we have to double-check. And then you'll get a phone call if you uh, place, and you'll get one of those beautiful ribbons, and you'll have bragging rights for the entire yes, year. Yes, that's
3: what I love. it. But they will know that same day, Saturday. Yes. And it's a hoot. It's a lot
0: of fun, <sighs> even if you don't want to... Enter. Come out and just visit with us, you know. Kenneth and and, and I will be there, and we've got a little be other experts, a lot of Master Gardeners there. We'll just sit around and talk, you know, about tomatoes or anything else if you want to. Absolutely. And know. we do
3: love the idea that, you know, Jenny and Jan and Jamie and Debbie uh, take their time to come up here and talk to us, Jim. Really appreciate about it. About the tomato contest. And if you want for y'all guys, and that's what I love about there again, Memphis area Master Gardeners is – the educational side of it. They're yeah. out there educating people on a lot of different things. And also, the volunteer stuff that we have to do, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, but, Jim, like I've said before... You've already been an honorary member of the Memphis Area Master Gardeners, and these fine people were so nice to uh, somehow kick into motion that me and Veda got involved in this. This is It was great. It's a wonderful honor. So I would say that this would be my volunteer hours then, correct? Well, yeah. <laughs>
4: if somebody uh, wants to question uh, me about uh, it. No, 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 no. That not. It's too easy. Yeah. Uh, that's too easy. We and
5: be sure to bring those kids out, too. We're going to have a lot of activities for them. That's so awesome. And, and
4: this, one of the things we want to make sure, this is for everybody. Yes,
0: it
1: is.
4: This is for everybody. If you grow tomatoes and you're proud of them, bring them on out there. Let us see how good they are. it would be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and pardon
0: me when, you know, I'll have a little cooler with me with some uh, Miracle Whip. And uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> not <do. Well>, <laughs> sliced
4: Slice cheese <laughs> out there, Jim. All you get is soda crackers <laughs> and water.
3: <laughs> soda crackers and water. All right. Well, I know All we right. got to go to a break, uh, Jim. But once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all are great. Uh, we keep supporting the Memphis area Master Gardeners, and thank you for supporting us along the way. Thank you. Take care. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, on the Mighty 990 and 107.9 FM, KWAM.
2: Good morning, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you're here with us. Hope y'all are all psyched for the Great Tomato Contest. That is one week from today
0: could be a lot of fun yeah, yeah. so Again, thank all our, our good friends of master gardeners who were up here to uh, share that with us
3: yeah and if you want to give us a call this morning 260-5926 260-5926 or you can of course go to facebook live like bob did and he sent in a question that says after removing a true f- <coughs> a true root in the front yard we've all done that before uh, i filled in the area with mulch and topsoil had problem with grass not growing there uh, he said, Vigoro grass seed mix was sowed according to the package instructions, germinated in about seven days, and watered per package. Uh, three weeks later, uh, the area is brown and yellow. Any advice?
2: Yeah. We all said, well, it was probably fescue. It was probably the was wrong type of grass yeah. that you're putting
3: in there. Whether it was a sunny area or a shady area, I'm assuming this is a sunny area now that the tree came down, right? Or a tree well, root that he's digging up. Yeah. But it probably was a fescue mix, typically is what you'll see in those type of packages this time of year. Uh, fescue is a grass that typically grows in the shade where Bermuda and zoysia won't grow. But the only time that you can really get by with sowing fescue is going to be in the fall, which is the best time, or early spring. But a, a grass like fescue, you've got to have it up, growing, and established before it gets hot, right? Yeah, when you get warm temperatures, it wants to go
0: dormant. When the ground temperature gets up there around 70 degrees, you go... Uh, it happens to stay green when it's dormant, you know, if it's well established. But your grass was just too young, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It could
2: have uh, even got fungal the, well, because it, the moisture at night, the cooler real nights. Real possible.
0: I've got a little spot in my front yard that and it, it's almost perfectly round. Yeah. I wonder why it's dying. Well, yesterday when I got up and went out front, there was this huge yellow mushroom growing right mm-hmm. out of the center of it. And well, now I know, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <You> know <laughs> there is a bad guy up underneath there. But right. for Bob, but,
2: um, but the mushroom mushroom wasn't causing the brownness. Well, the fungus and, uh, yeah. underneath
0: is causing it. This is just the reproductive
3: structure. It's going to yeah. spread all over my yard now, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming Bob put uh, fescue down. Now, because typically uh, for more sunny areas uh, here in the Mid-South, you generally see Bermuda or zoysia. Uh, Bermuda, you can do by seed or sod uh, easily, okay? Zoysia, you can still do seed or sod, but typically people do sod. And then for fescue, you can still do cedar side, but typically people do seed. But just remember, uh, you know, for a sunny area, Bob, you want to make sure it's either zoysia side or Bermuda cedar side. You've gotta have, you got to put a grass out there that's going to love the sun. So
2: really, right now, if you wanted to start over and take it all out and if it's in full sun put bermuda seed down you've got time right. to get a bermuda lawn or yeah but look at um look at the uh, bag and see what the type of grass it was and if you want to post that on the facebook page you know, if it wasn't fescue, then we may have some other th- issues. But it sure but sounds like fescue. Like, like it yeah, does. yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yes, it's going to be fun trying to take care of your lawn in the summertime. You know, we need to bump up the watering some. Don't use a lot of high nitrogen fertilizers to make it grow fast. I'm sorry, you what? use what I Depends said. Depends on what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, this is true. For me, I don't want to use high nitrogen fertilizers <laughs> because I don't want to mow and water a lot. Um, you know, but maybe if you're trying to be in competition with your neighbor and his is all of a sudden coming along, I'm good. I'm always <laughs> in
3: competition with my neighbor yeah. when it comes to growing grass in my yard. Well, actually,
2: go. people are always in competition with me. Well, you know, uh, there you <laughs>
1: go. Bermuda
3: is a heavy; it, it's a heavy feeder. I yeah.
1: mean,
0: it needs about a pound of nitrogen. Every 45 days <clears> to 60
3: um, just to have a quality turf. And typically yeah. people will feed their Bermudas uh, lawn about every six weeks through yeah. the right. growing season. Because, I mean,
2: you do have to have nitrogen, but just not a whole bunch at one time well, like, in the hot summer. And I've told
3: you all this story. Yeah. I've got a three-fourths of a bag of urea. In my garage right now, that I have purchased this year, urea is like a forty what four 46 zero forty six zero, zero zero pure nitrogen. Yeah, but what I do is I actually wait mm-hmm. until it's it's raining before I go out there and put it down. I actually put it out in the rain. Yeah, uh, because. I don't want to spend so much time watering this product in with moving a sprinkler around. Mm-hmm. But what I do love about this product is what you don't like about it. It really makes it green, and it really makes it grow. Well, I'm I like you. it
2: green, but and like, it really but makes like it
3: grow it too. So, uh, but I, you know, I, and I don't mind, uh, and I don't go crazy overboard with it. And I, there again, I make sure it gets watered in really well. But there are some lawn foods uh, that you can purchase uh, that have a good bit of nitrogen in them, usually 24 or 26%. But a lot of the nitrogen that's in those lawn foods is a very slow-release type right. nitrogen. And that's the healthiest way to feed it. The more nitrogen you give it, the
0: more growth it gets. And mm-hmm. Bermuda, ideally, if, if you're growing uh, and fertilizing it properly, it should be mowed about every fourth day. Otherwise, you end up <laughs> taking off too much green and causing what we, I call Sunday morning browning, where it looks a little brown cast because you actually have cut back into stems. Right. Uh, you know, as we've talked about here, golf courses mow it every day uh, just to take off a very minute part of that grass. Yeah. And I can't do that. Right. right.
2: Yeah, well, like in, in my lawn when I did all organic, there was never a time that it wasn't green. Because it was always a slow release. Yeah. You grow. don't get
0: that huge burst of growth, you know. As I say, you can you, you have to cut your way back to the house sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen know? that and, happen and That's what too. I want. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And one of the problem is people don't understand coverage as much as they think they understand weight. You know, yeah. they'll go buy a bag of say triple 13 and put it over their front <laughs> yard. Mm-hmm. Then they'll go buy a bag of uh, urea and put it over their front yard. 50 mm-hmm. pounds. Well, that's what it took to go over it. Well, <laughs> it you know, you like put w- down three times as much nitrogen. Yeah, yeah you that's know? true. Yeah. And it's all about coverage. It has nothing to do about weight. Because that you know. is
2: yeah. a uh, detriment to the environment when you're overusing. Into because you your just lawn. use t- more than the plant can use. And so it leaches off. So really... It's your fault for not measuring properly for the, to use the proper amount for the plant to use, and then it rushes off, and then we blame it on the chemical. Oh,
3: I agree with right. you, Veda, but yeah. not to mention that it can surely burn your lawn up also. Oh, but, absolutely. But, you know, one bag of urea can cover up to 10,000 square feet. So a, a little bit goes a long way. Back that's when we <laughs> could
0: get true ammonia nitrate, yes. you know, mm-hmm. what you see now is actually urea that's been cut. Oh, usually. that's what it is. Yeah, it's thir- okay. if you look at it, it's 33% urea. It's mm-hmm. not actually... Um, Ammonia nitrate the way it used to be uh, it's yeah. available to farmers and, and what's stuff the like
3: difference that? Jim uh, between let's say ammonium nitrate that we used to get and say urea that we can get now it's basically how quickly it releases you know that's
0: the, the short term. Um, the ammonium nitrate releases very faster. faster you yeah. Know? In fact, w- there were used to be that people would broadcast ammonium nitrate heavily over their front yard, mm-hmm. and it would brown everything. It'd kill the weeds. Yeah. right They would just grow themselves to death, <laughs> and then they'd hit it with water, and yeah. it, the fe- the uh, Bermuda would recover. Yeah. And wow. end up with a really pretty nice lawn. You know.
3: That was a balancing act there, yeah. also. Yeah, right. It? So, well, um, that's
2: just like how they do controlled burns in, in the woods for, for to uh, clean out the underbrush and things, yeah. because uh, some trees like can t- take the fire. But then it burns all the underbrush and the weeds. So we do that with Bermuda a lot, yeah, you know, in on yeah. golf
0: courses. They'll do a controlled burn as long as it's burning fast mm-hmm. and goes through there. Then it's not not an issue. I mean, the Bermuda will recover from it, yeah. but it'll kill most all the weeds. Yeah. Isn't that amazing?
2: Yeah. Like, and that, that's why we had to come up with uh, weed killers because you can't do controlled burns in your yard. No, no, the
0: fire department kind of frowns on that. Yes, they
2: do. <laughs> Let's go to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Thanks for giving us a call this morning.
3: Good morning, Beta <laughs> Kenneth. This isn't Paul. This and is I Mr. Paul. Yeah. My God, I've been wondering, and I hadn't bothered Paul because you know, I don't know what Paul's up to these days. <laughs> but Paul, if you don't call in, we all miss you. I'm telling you.
6: Well, I appreciate I
3: appreciate that. And you sound great. Now, what about you? Are you going to get your tomatoes
2: together and come up to the uh, Red Barn next weekend? No, he's coming for the tomato sandwiches.
6: (laughs) Exactly. And I heard that we wouldn't going to have them this year, and I hope that's a false rumor.
2: Because I'm
6: telling you, that's some of the best part of that tomato
2: contest is them Tomato I that. wonder because Jane, or Jan, when she left, said she'd make sure that y'all got a tomato her, sandwich. Her, her
0: brother is there, and he makes this tomato bacon sandwich that uh-huh. is to die for. Gosh, that
2: sounds well. Delicious. Any yeah, tomato was,
0: bacon
3: but... sandwiches to die yeah. for, Jim?
0: Yeah, but these I don't know. He puts some other stuff on it, man, and,
3: and it is it is so good.
2: But see, Mister Paul, oh, gosh, you're selling it. You are so selling it <laughs> right like, now. Yeah.
3: <laughs> see, the way I see it, though, Mister Paul, he knows how to grow, and he knows how to grow seed and some of these other ground covers because he's got the greenhouses and the perfect soil and all that. And I didn't know, Mr. Paul, if you were growing tomatoes back there and say in the back greenhouse, um, you know, kind of like had a leg up on everybody else.
6: Well, I'm, I'm growing some tomatoes, and I'm going to enter the smallest, ugly, most unique, as Jim said, yeah. <laughs> tomato in the contest because I have picked about three or four tomatoes off of my plants ready to eat and you have, it, you have to slice it about four times to get it to cover up a piece of bread. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> you need... Jan and uh, Jamie brought some tomatoes by last week, and they brought me a Cherokee purple. And I had that a couple of days ago, and it was... One slice would cover up the whole piece yes. of bread, and you could see red all the mm. way around it. That's and a, that's the way you need the tomato sandwich.
0: Yeah, that's a that is a great tasting tomato. It is. You know, the first time it was it was tough for me to put a purple tomato that's, in my mouth. I you know. know.
6: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> I'll tell you bruised. this: how good it is is remember, I'm not a tomato connoisseur because yeah. I've just. But these are awesome tasting. They <laughs> well, really are. Yeah. And let me
3: say this also because I don't. I'm not growing any tomatoes in my backyard. But uh, I am going to the Red Barn every Saturday uh, and getting these wonderful tomatoes. And then there's some that are being grown down in Mississippi, and they're mm-hmm. proud of it. They say Mississippi-grown tomatoes. And then yeah. the other, right across the aisle, it says Alabama-grown tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And they're going back and forth, like, which one's the best? And that's what's so funny about tomatoes, you know. So we've got some of both, but the tomatoes have been really good uh, coming out of the Red Barn if you're not growing your own, I'm just telling you.
6: Yeah, well, I'm fixing to head down to Bartlett Farmer's Market whenever we get through here uh, and get some fresh tomatoes down there this morning. And that where's,
3: where's that located, Mr. Paul? You said there's this is the one that's in Bartlett.
6: Yeah, it's down there. Right it's at Freeman Garden, Park. The Freeman Park, yeah. And they got a brand-new pavilion down there. And, I mean, it is a nice facility.
0: really is. It's at the corner there of Stage and... Um, uh, Bartlett Boulevard,
3: and they you think they have right. the tomatoes just as good as the ones at the Red Barn? Yeah, and they're just now getting Tennessee. You know, because yeah.
0: we're just now really approaching the time when Tennessee tomatoes are ripening. Yeah, you know, not the greenhouse right. ones like they grow up in Ripley. You know, that yeah. you know tastes like cardboard. Yeah.
6: Um, well, I, Ju- Ju- July the fourth. Uh, that that's about the t- that would well, July the fourth and the best tomatoes and the freshest watermelons and good crepe myrtle bloom is what I always think about on July 4th, and of course, it. this is about a week late, I
2: think. But yeah, that's a good thought. That's a good way to think about it. Well,
3: Mr. Paul, uh, you know, I'm not going to be mad at you for not calling us in the last six weeks, because uh, call- <laughs> you did call this morning, and your voice sounds great, and I hope you're-, <laughs> you're feeling great, but I'm telling you, Mr. Paul, now that you have called back, we're going to, you know, we want to hear from you probably every weekend, if that's okay.
6: I'll, I'll be glad to do it, and we appreciate what y'all are doing and all the Master Gardeners promoting the tomato contest because they do a great job, and Jamie and Jan and and uh, all of those folks do a real good job, and we appreciate what y'all do for
3: the Mid-South Gardening. Amen. Well, thank you, Mr. Paul. We love you, buddy, and we have missed you. Thank you, guys. We love y'all.
2: Thank you, Mr. Paul. Y'all will be right back in a minute. Music. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid South Gardening. I'm Beta with Palladio Garden, the garden side of Palladio. Kenneth with Dan May- Dan West. Oh, my gosh. And Jim. Kenneth with Dan Mabry. Yeah. And Mabry. Kenneth Mabry with Dan West Garden we Center. no doubt. And, and
3: then Jim Crowder, III what half,
0: the third in about half weight wise of uh, the. <laughs> the group here
2: what was it not the couch potato but the, Re- recliner. the recliner, liner okay. recliner liner okay let me do yeah. this again kenneth with dan west jim <laughs> the recliner liner the recliner liner with a great okay.
3: uh, facebook page that's I'm right
2: that's right but all right also, so well bob hang hey,
3: you know, on bob texted okay. it in you know the gentleman we were talking about he had gone mm-hmm. out there and dug up like a, a tree root and he had put grass seed down uh, in a sunny area Uh, And it was a uh, branded uh, blended seed mix. From Vigaroo. Yeah, and uh, he just texted back and said, was a ryegrass mix. And that's why it just completely turned brown. Uh, You know, fescues, like we said, and ryegrasses, they are cool season grasses around here. They look great in the fall, the winter, and the spring when it's really cool, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, When it gets really hot, they tend to burn out. Especially if they're in full sun. Now ryegrass is gonna burn out sun or shade. Don't care where you put it. At. When it gets hot it's gonna burn out. Yeah. Where the fescues would typically stay green year round in the shade. Uh, but like Jim was saying in the summertime when it gets hot they go semi dormant. Uh, yeah. and you're gonna lose some fescue every summer. I don't care what you do. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: not it's not that you're a bad gardener, exactly. it just happens that way. Well you know, some perennials that you could plant this time of year would be of course I said the comb flower mm. because <laughs> I love that the russian sage mm-hmm. a lot of people don't use that as much but it looks good in in a uh, bulk planting mm-hmm. it's got height It has mm-hmm. purple blooms long blooms at the top some of that feather grass you know the ornament mm-hmm. there's a the one have y'all heard of the one called blonde ambition yes yes mm-hmm. that's because it's got really cool seed heads mm-hmm. on it they look like little flat somebody said look like blonde hair but just looks like a seed had turned flat ways but it's a smaller dwarf one drought tolerant and that looks good with coneflower and rust and sage lavender looks good with it those are all good and then some of the Rebecca
3: is like the indian summer you know has the real big bloom you have to have an indian they're in full bloom right now i mean really any perennial you get your hands on you can plant this time of year and like we said that's the beauty of a perennial is they come back every year Mm -hmm. for you and that's oh. true. With You can plant just about anything as long as you're willing to give it
0: the care that it yeah. needs.
2: And that's all the way from preparing the soil in the first place. Because I know it, you get out there and it's hot and you kind of cheat on building the, the hole that you're planting in or amending it. Well, you'll definitely tell that you cheated later.
3: And Veda, when you used to do landscaping, uh, I, I now remember that you would tell me that you would try, when you were planting perennials and you planted a million of them, that you would try in some circumstances to have some that bloomed early. Yeah. mid-season and then later in the year mm-hmm. that way you know the client would have perennials blooming really most of the year and and that's the, what i've for in my yard is to have something in bloom all the time
2: yeah yeah and you do you have to plant a variety of plants and plant it out as well and also starting to uh, educate people on even though these may not be blooming or you might have a spot in time when there's no bloom we're throwing in some shrubs with cool foliage Something yes. that's still showy Textures if you have nothing. Texture is really important in yeah. a garden. Yeah, because yeah, it'll still give you that that burst of color. It's just not a flower. Right, oh, so and I
3: know we've right. only got a couple minutes. So people that have this time of year, uh, midsummer, basically, mm-hmm. it's starting. To, it's going to get hot. It's already been hot. And it's going to get dry again. It's already been dry. I mean, what do we do? I mean, do other than watering and as far as annuals, perennials and mm-hmm. container plants, Uh, I mean, are we out there making sure they stay hydrated, which to me is the most important thing? And then what about the feeding? I mean, are we going out there and and feeding with a liquid plant food or a granulated plant food or an organic plant food to give it that extra
2: boost? Well, for me, in the first year anyway, Mm. is I'm just trying to slowly, gradually get it to grow so I'm going to use all organic products. something like but a plant-tone beta? Yeah. But also a liquid to help stimulate the microorganisms yeah. and all and that. And if you're to, doing
0: like annuals, you know, the more you feed them, the better that's results true. you're going to get in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, feed annuals all the way until the time the frost gets About out. About every two weeks, yeah. twice a month? Yeah, it depends on what you're using. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're using the plant-tone type products, you know, probably every four weeks mm-hmm. or so.
3: But a liquid plant food like the Big Bloom or the Tiger Bloom or mm-hmm. some of those. You could
0: do those, you know, every two weeks if See, you wanted that's to. That's that's how I did mm-hmm. it.
2: It was four weeks was a granule, every two weeks was mm-hmm. a liquid. Right. Yeah, it has but, not, but best up to like plants. September, you know, September, October, you can slow down your growing by slowing down your fertilizer. So
3: don't forget the water. I mean, it's going to get dry again, and don't forget a little bit of fertilizer out there to keep everything looking their best.
0: And join if you haven't Mid South Gardening. Okay, that's our Facebook group, and you can post pictures, questions. It's a hoot.
2: It is, y'all. I'm so so glad I could be here with y'all this morning. I enjoy it. We'll see y'all next weekend in the Ah. garden.